Hey, Will, like I normally do, I just want to take a moment to tell our listeners to make sure they hit us up on social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you might see us. Make sure you're sending us something. Also, you can email us directly at AppalachiaMeetsWorld at gmail.com. If you get a moment, shoot us a line, give us some feedback. Yeah, and wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to Appalachia Meets World. It just helps our podcast, but it also helps you know when we're releasing a new episode. Tech is always evolving, right? And so there was a challenge to kind of create curriculum that would be put, you know, through an institution that would need to be adapted almost constantly. And so, you know, we were able to kind of support and and do do a program that addressed those challenges and be be adaptive. So Appalachia Meets World, a podcast about place and perspective, but always Appalachia. And don't forget, Will, tonight's episode is powered by SOAR. Shaping our Appalachian region. If you're an entrepreneur out there, especially in eastern Kentucky, check them out. Appalachia meets world. We're back another week. It's Will. And Neil. What up, my brother? What's going on? Man, you know, just kicking it in the 606, living the dream. I, I, I think I know the answer to this, but did you celebrate Mardi Gras this week? Hand out any beads? No, okay. I, I did not. Did you celebrate Valentine's Day? You you know our feelings in regards to Valentine's Day. I think we both share the same sentiments, right? That's why I ask. <laughs> <laughs> and you want to share with the listeners our sentiments in regards to Valentine's Day? It's a made-up holiday. <laughs> there you go. Hallmark made it up. Great addition to the society. Uh, I guess economically it helps. but Economically. So your yeah. team uh, went down in the Super Bowl. I wanted to talk about it. I'm glad you brought it up. So I'm up in the air. You think the 49ers knew knew overtime rules? I swear I don't think Fred Warner knew the rules, but I don't think 90% of America didn't know the rules. I mean, I think everybody was watching it with the intent like, uh, the Chiefs better hurry up. They're going to lose. Time's going to run out. I like the way the referee said it when he said, you know, we're starting a new game. Yeah, that makes sense if everybody knows what you're talking about. But I swear the players on the field didn't know. You know, I know your team got beat. But it was unfortunate what happened at the parade. Celebration. Yeah, City. awful. But, awful. Uh, we won't harp on that. Since we talked a little bit about world news, uh, give us some app news, Will. Man, I got some quick app news this week. The podcast, Inside Appalachia, I'll give a shout-out to that podcast, West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Their recent episode talks about the fall of app harvest. Just check it out. Also, there's another article that just came out in Reason. The title is Will Outdoor Rex Save Appalachia? I wanted to mention it because it talks a lot about and with the PA Wilds, who we've had on the episode before. They're doing some great work, and it's an interesting article just to talk about the pros and cons of out the outdoor rec industry and how it can or cannot reshape Appalachia. The last couple of items, because it is National Entrepreneurship Week, I know we mentioned that last week, and our guest this week is from West Virginia. I want to mention these two items. The West Virginia Government School of Entrepreneurship is having their summer programming for 9th, 10th, and 11th grade students. I know we talked about the ARC programs, so those applications have gone. This is the West Virginia Governor's School of Entrepreneurship. It's not until July 7th through 21st. It's a free program. 
But the applications are due March 22nd. Now, the last thing, the West Virginia Entrepreneurship Ecosystem Conference in Huntington, West Virginia, is April the 9th. So if you're an entrepreneur in that state, if you're a small business, or if you're an ESO in that state, check it out. That's all I got, Neil. All right. I like it. Lots of good, interesting things in Appalachia. Glad you mentioned it. And that just leads us that just leads us into the guests we have tonight. Alex Weld, the executive director and CEO of Generation West Virginia. The sole purpose of Generation West Virginia created by young professionals for young professionals to really retain and attract young people to West Virginia. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the conversation. I've always uh Thought West Virginia be a great place to live, so looking forward to hearing hearing about how how that's being being attacked. Without further ado, you just want to get her on. Let the expert talk. Let's do it. Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Life is old there. Older than the trees, younger than the mountains, growing like a breeze. Country roads take me home. On today's episode, we have Alex Weld. She is a lifelong resident, born and raised in West Virginia. Since 2021, she's been the executive director of Generation West Virginia a statewide nonprofit dedicated to attracting and retaining and advancing young people in West Virginia. She also was recently appointed to the West Virginia Workforce Development Board and serves in other various volunteer capacities throughout the state, including sitting on the board of the Regional Economic Development Partnership and the YMCA Wheeling Board. Needless to say, she's a lifelong Appalachian and proud mountaineer. So, Alex, we want to welcome you to the show and thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to, excited to chat with you today. As most Appalachians are big on history and big on tradition, Neil and I, our family, we have a tradition as well. And we have one of those traditions is appetizers at the holidays. We have this gigantic spread of appetizers, bigger than the meal itself. So we wanted to ask you, do you have a favorite appetizer or just holiday dish? Oh, geez. Favorite holiday dish or appetizer. Hmm. My grandma was a big baker. And so I, when she passed away, I got her cookbook with there's splatters of food and crossed out stuff and stuff <laughs> taped to it and everything. So I try to make, I try to make things from that when I can. Not a lot of appetizers, but she has a really good apple cobbler. There was an yeah. apple tree on her property that the apples were super sour. So there's so much sugar in this thing to counter those sour apples. It's just like, you know, diabetes on a plate, but it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So um, do you, did you just let her cook it or do you cook it as well? I cook it now. Um, she's not, she's not around anymore. I cook it. Yeah. I cook it now, but that sour apple tree isn't around anymore either. So I really have to lower the the sugar amount because it's just crazy. <laughs> gotcha. I mentioned in your bio, you know, about Generation West Virginia. And that's really why we had wanted to have you on the show, the significance. I mentioned a little bit about what it was, but can you just let our listeners know how it got started, why it got started, and really what's the purpose of Generation West Virginia? 
Yeah. So the organization's been around um, in some form since all the way back in 2007. It's really evolved since then. You know, it, it started out almost as a networking group. Really, a lot of local chambers of commerce um, realized that there were young people that were trying to get involved in those various communities around the state, but there wasn't uh, kind of a hub for that. And so Generation West Virginia became the the kind of home to support all of those local groups around the state. But as the as the organization grew, it became really clear that people in West Virginia and really, you know, young people in West Virginia in particular were looking to find community, but also looking to find a way to stay in the state. And that often centered around finding a job. You can't choose to live somewhere if there is not an opportunity to make a living there. And so we've really kind of honed our work in to support young people and really any West Virginians in finding quality, you know, family sustaining careers through training. And we do, we do job training programs. We do, uh, we do placement support for, for job seekers in West Virginia. And we also do retention support through our fellowship program to help young people advance and grow in their careers. And then the other thing we do that doesn't kind of fit into that model per se, but makes a ton of sense when you think about it is broadband. That's, of course, a big a big piece of the puzzle in terms of people being able to, to stay and work and live in a community. And so we we do a lot of broadband development support work throughout the state. That's great. We'd like to dive into a little bit of those programmatic things. But before that, we started our podcast really to dispel some of the misconceptions and the false stereotypes that people have about the Appalachian region as a whole. That being said, I kind of think that that's become really a lazy argument. So many more things that we could be talking about other than the negative stereotypes that people have about us because we're from Appalachia. I wanted to ask you beyond that, what are some of the hurdles that you see? You mentioned some in in your explanation of Generation West Virginia, but what are some of the hurdles you see young people having in our region? Mm, Yeah. So there are, there are some that feel really tangible. Like, so I, I think about this. It wasn't that long ago that I worked for a health insurance company as a marketing manager and you know, it was a great job, but I didn't feel super fulfilled. And most of my colleagues were, you know, much older than me. And I didn't have too much in common with them. You know, they were just in a different phase of their life. And then I'd come home to my community and most of my neighbors were um, retired and older folks. And all of my best friends had kind of left my little town. I remember feeling like, well, I guess I have to do that too, right? I guess I just have to go find something. Maybe I'll come back one day, but that's what you do, right? As you go find something to grow. And that has to happen out of West Virginia because you can't grow here because the opportunities don't exist. And that is just, you know, I think these days really not the case anymore. I think there will always be circumstances of that specialized careers and things, but this, there is so much happening. And I think our biggest hurdle as a state is getting the word out about it. You know, we live in small communities and, and oftentimes those networks we have are within our communities. And how do we get the word out about what is happening, what the opportunities look like. So people don't think like it's easier to maybe find those opportunities and see those opportunities out of the state. But how do we make it easier for people to recognize those here? Obviously, Appalachia is a large region, 13 states. And there are other regions throughout the country that are also, I'll I'll use the term underserved or underrepresented. But do you think it's different in West Virginia than other states throughout Appalachia? Or do you think Appalachia region as a whole is different when it comes to some of those opportunities or hurdles that you speak of? 
That's a really good question. I think it's both of those. I think yes to both. A unique thing about West Virginia that I really do think is is huge that we don't have a large city. I mean, we do in West Virginia sense, but there is no community of 50,000 or higher in West Virginia. And I, I think we're the only state that doesn't. And so that is something when I think people are looking for kind of that concentration of opportunities or concentration of community. It's harder to find that here because we don't have that big metropolitan city in the in a larger sense, right? Not to say that Huntington, Charleston, Wheeling, et cetera, are not, are not cities, but they're not large cities when you look at big cities in other states. But I do think that there are, you know, specific things that are happening throughout a lot of the Appalachian region, especially around the shift in the extraction economy and the shift in the types of opportunities that exist that I think resonate with a lot of a lot of people that are a part of the region. West Virginia not having that large metropolitan area. I've heard that argument a lot. And it's true um, when it comes to, you know, state by state. Also, you know, out migration, population loss is a major issue, not only for West Virginia, but for Kentucky, for a lot of states throughout Appalachia. Is Generation West Virginia, is is the primary goal to combat out-migration or population loss, or is it really just to cultivate young leaders? It's It's a combination of both, but I mean, I think the ultimate goal is to help young people stay. That's the first thing, right, is we have to find opportunities for young people to be able to stay. And then once that's happening or as that's happening. For an example, right, we have this fellowship program that we run and we have a lot of young people who are eager to do more and they're eager to grow. That to me is such a critical moment for a young person in this state that we want to we want to wrap our arms around those people and say, okay, like what what is it that you need? How can we help you advance here? Sometimes it's both and it's like, how do you help someone stay here? It is by helping them find a path to grow and to, to, to become leaders and whatever that might mean to them. Yeah, I, I think it has to be both depending on where someone is. But oftentimes the reason someone wants to stay or is able to stay is because they can see that that path forward for growth. And, and you mentioned Generation West Virginia first started as just a networking group. Has it kind of shifted towards policy and maybe policy change from a statewide level? I know a lot of your programs I won't say fight for policy issues, but definitely advocate uh, for policy or policy change. Is that a, is that a also a goal, of Generation West Virginia? It's not an inherent goal, but it's a goal that kind of bubbles up based on the work we do. So we never want to isolate people, especially people that we are working to serve and to support. So we're careful to not be very political in the work that we do. But that being said, there will always be policy discussions that make sense for us. So we were very involved in some broadband legislation a couple of years ago. I, I actually just had a conversation the other day. I was at I was at the legislature and I was talking to someone about the opportunity to look at state jobs as instead of having four-year degree requirements, instead allowing lived experience and work experience as an as an in lieu of option to help ensure that, you know, West Virginia has the lowest percent of its population that people that are 25 or older have college degrees. Um, and so how do we help those people? So so legislation like that, now I'll tell you, when I had that conversation last week, the head of the Department of Personnel let me know that they're already doing that. They're already in the process of shifting that over, which is amazing. So I think there will be you know policy things that as we keep an eye on what's happening around the country as it relates to helping people find career pathways and grow, there will be things that we always keep an eye on. 
Yeah, and I, I know in, in the past you all have advocated for small business legislation, even even as far back as the Crowdfunding Act. I know you supported that a great deal. Some of your programs, you mentioned broadband, the Career Connect, the Fellowship, but also the the New Force. Yeah. Um, New Force is kind of a coding academy that you have free of charge, I think, to West, young West Virginia residents. And it's really to, I won't say combat, but this idea that obviously technology is the future. And why not in West Virginia? People really don't think of technology when they think of jobs in West Virginia. Like you mentioned before, they think of this extractive economy. But there, we've seen this shift, but also... You know, tech can be anywhere. So why not West Virginia? Is that part of the new force? Is that part of that program of why you wanted to start it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So so the program um, was created before I joined the organization. But the backstory there is really fascinating that we have a great you know network of employers we work with around the state as we work to connect young people with jobs. And we had several employers reach out to us and say, do you know of anyone that can do this, right? This software development role. And we talked to folks at the community college system. And it was pretty clear that, you know, they they wanted, the, the community college system wanted to be able to build a program that responded to those those needs in the workforce. But the, that tech curriculum changes like every six months. It, <laughs> tech is always evolving, right? And so there was a challenge to kind of create curriculum that would be put, you know, through an institution that would need to be adapted almost constantly. And so, you know, we were able to kind of support and and do do a program that addressed those challenges and be be adaptive. So, that was the creation of New Force because we started to see the uptick in those types of opportunities and the gap in training for West Virginians to get those jobs. And we're seeing it still increase now, you know, that the tech industry again is is always changing. You know, there was just what an announcement last maybe in the last couple of weeks, Amazon Web Services is launching a tech alliance in West Virginia. Like there's definitely an eye toward West Virginia becoming a place for the tech economy to grow. I also think about the great opportunity for people to live in beautiful places and be able to work remotely and what, you know, the cost of living, all these great things that are really obvious reasons for tech to kind of continue to expand in the state. You know, a lot of entry level positions or like starting out positions in tech are not remote, but as you grow into a company, they they do become more and more remote. So we would love for more West Virginians to be able to go through a program like this, get placed at a company and stay in the community they love. If, if those jobs don't exist in their community, they can build that bridge likely by going by going through this type of program. I think that pairs well with the Ascend West Virginia program where they are actually paying people to move to West Virginia that have these remote opportunities and have the broadband in place and have technology careers that they can really prosper, but also prosper in a place that they want to be because it is so beautiful. You just have to get people to West Virginia. You have to get people to Eastern Kentucky to understand the beauty that that's there. That's exactly <laughs> um, right. I, I mentioned another program, your, your fellowship. That's really the nine-month program to kind of cultivate young leaders Throughout the state, how, how did that program come to be and how successful has it been in, in cultivating this, this leadership? Mm-hmm. This program started several years ago and it was more, there were more layers to it in the past, not to kind of get in the weeds of it, but, but basically we would help companies find an employee for an open temporary role. And then they would also have this fellowship experience of touring different places of the state honing their professional development skills, et cetera, 
it was a great, it's a great program, but it was very challenging to find, to make it all line up correctly, right? A company would have to be willing to hire someone for this like one year window and it had to fit with our fellowship timeline. And actually companies were saying, hey, we'd love to just send an employee we already have through this program. You know, we actually want that as their, as an enrichment opportunity for employees we already have. We see that, right? That a lot of small companies in the state, that there's just not capacity to kind of launch a lot of professional development programs internally, right? These A lot of small companies, it's just not, not possible. But we know that in, there's data around this that Geez, it might be about a year old now, but I think it was February of 2023 data that West Virginia was like near the top in job openings and near the top in job placement, but was very close to the bottom on job retention. Yeah, I'm sure there's a myriad of reasons why, but we know, it, it, again, that young people crave professional development and they they crave skill building. And we hear from companies that, you know, we, we, need, we want support in, in providing that to our young employees. So oftentimes... When we talk to employers, we'll say, do you have someone on your team that's a young person that you you just really want to see grow in your company? Because they are a really good fit then for this, this program that helps people grow in their professional development, but also helps kind of center them in what it means to, to be in West Virginia and a little bit of history about West Virginia. And really, I think helps dispel this grass is always greener mentality that so many of us have kind of ingrained in us. Yeah, I think it's so important. And we advocate for it on this show too. So important to get young people involved early in their careers, not just with the work that they're doing, but with what's going on in their community, with what's going on in their state. Yes. If you really want to retain talent, if you really want to retain young people, they have to be involved. And the thing about young people they have the time to be involved and they want to be involved. They just don't always have the opportunity. As I've gotten older and have had kids, I have less and less time to be involved in some of these things. And young people are prime for that opportunity. They just need to have that opportunity. I think this program is perfect. But also Generation West Virginia was started by young people Young people sit on your board. It's really for young people, by young people. As it grows, as it has evolved, do you foresee continuing that, that it's always going to be run by, quote unquote, young, young people? That's such a good question. There is something to be said, I think, for the success that this organization has seen in its growth in the past several years, which was led by and for young people. As we've continued to grow, there has been a discussion, and this has happened at, you know, with my staff, with my board, with partners, that you know, everyone has a vested interest in helping young people grow in West Virginia and stay in West Virginia. Again, I'll throw another stat at you that I always like to share that over 60% of the workforce in the country will be millennials or Gen Z by 2030. And West Virginia has to embrace that and make sure that we have young people here to carry the future of West Virginia. And so I think that it's become clear that this is an everyone discussion. I never want people to feel like they shouldn't have a seat at the table around something so important. So I, I think that it's in, incumbent on us to make sure that we include all voices in this conversation and building solutions. So I don't imagine having an age limit on our board or, or something like that. And, and truly, like, 
even our fellowship program, right? We say young, or we say if you're in the first few years of your career, maybe you were in the military, or maybe you had a different path in life and you've kind of found a career now. And New Force, we have people actually of all ages in that program. So to me, what it means to be, you know, Generation West Virginia, like who is Generation West Virginia? I think anyone who is looking to grow and looking to find opportunity in West Virginia, I think that is the definition of generate. Like what is what is that generation? I think it's less of an age range and more of a an outlook and a way of thinking about the future of our state. Yeah, and I think the way that your organization has grown over to, over time is just a testament to the impact your organization has had. What what do you see as the future of Generation West Virginia? You know, this our new force program is a good example of being nimble and able to address a clear gap that leads to real change for people in the state. And I want us to always be that. I want us to always be an organization that can say, we identify problems, we we look to partners to build solutions. And if there is no no clear way to do it, I, I think it makes sense for us to always be the entity that fills that. Broadband's another good example, right? We didn't know much about broadband, but we knew that if we weren't doing that type of work, there wasn't a clear, another clear um, entity to do it. And the Benetton Foundation actually reached out to us and said, would, would you all want to do this? Um, because it's a priority for the foundation, but there is no clear person to, or entity to lead it. And so I like, I like thinking of us in that way, um, that we are solution oriented and nimble um, in a way that addresses the, the challenges that relate to workforce in the state. And to me, that could be you know, different training programs, different support programs, all in the hopes of addressing those workforce challenges. Obviously, it's you know, by young people, for young people, but, and it's for West Virginia, but if there's a young person moving into the state, is Generation West Virginia an opportunity for them to get connected to other young people throughout West Virginia? You tout it as being for West Virginians, but if somebody's thinking about moving to West Virginia, can they reach out to your organization and become connected that way? Absolutely. I mean, I think the clearest way for anyone to be connected to our work is through the program that is called the Career Connector, which is, you know, it was built upon, it was built on the understanding that there are a bunch of different places to find jobs. You know, you can go to Indeed, you, there's, you know, Google it, there's a million ways, but there was not like this one place where if you're an active or even passive job seeker that's just curious about what's out there in West Virginia, a way to look at all of the, the great opportunities. And so we're, we've, that program's pretty new, but we've built it out a lot in the past uh, year or so. And we have people reaching out to us all the time. And that's like, look, like, I don't see anything right now that you guys are posting, but here's my resume. Let me know if you see anything. And we've, we've been kind of doing some recruiting and support for people to help them find a career in the state. And sometimes that, that is people that are not here, but want to be here. And we've, we've connected them to employers looking for skills that align with what they have. Uh, as a lifelong resident, what's your favorite place in West Virginia? I love so much of this state. I am from Wellsburg and my favorite thing to do, I think, is to is to bring people to this little town and show them the great things that exist because it's not unique in that, right? Like every small town has that. And I want other people to think of their towns like that. So I think my favorite place in West Virginia is Town Square in Wellsburg during our Apple Fest, um, where the Grimes Golden Apple was created, um, because I think it is such a clear example of community in West Virginia. What's your favorite restaurant in West Virginia? Later Gator is a, is a top contender that came to mind. There's so many, but um, it's a crepe restaurant in Wheeling. And it's 
delicious and they have savory crepes and sweet crepes and it's really quirky in there and there's all kinds of like memorabilia from wheeling steel in there that was a you know a big a big employer in the region for a very long time and it's just a real cool place to take people that don't that aren't from the from the area did you seriously ever think about leaving west virginia Mm -hmm. Yeah, geez, I did in, you know, over a decade ago at this point, but there was, there was a time when I was, uh, my first job, I was a TV news reporter and I always wanted to do that. And then I started it and not to make this a long story, but the real turning point for me was when I was in court covering, you know, trials and I, or cases, and I watched someone I went to high school with walk in, um, because he made some bad choices, had some drug issues and, I was just like, this is actually not at all how I want to talk about West Virginia. This is awful. You know, I did, this was, I made a mistake. <laughs> and so I really had a moment of how do I find a career that makes me feel like, you know, I'm doing something worth doing. And it didn't feel like that. So I, I did consider moving out of the state and it took me a while to find my footing and find nonprofits, which is what I, I now know I was looking for all along. What would you tell a young person in West Virginia that's thinking about moving away, what would you tell them to sway them otherwise or just to give them opportunities in West Virginia? Yeah, I mean, I first think that it's, I would say it's okay. Like if you if you want to leave because that that is what feels right to you and there's opportunity elsewhere and there's a part of you that would feel like you didn't experience what you need to experience in life if you didn't leave, then you should you should leave and you should be okay with that. Like, I think there's this guilt thing that we have that we put on ourselves that if we leave, we're giving up on the state or on um, our communities because we have this underdog mentality. And I think that that can be unhealthy. So I think it's, first of all, okay if if someone wants to leave and they should feel okay about that. If they are not sure if they want to leave, which is how I know many young West Virginians feel, like they, they maybe don't really want to leave, but they feel like they have to leave, tell me talk to me. Like I want to help, right? Like I think that our whole team, our our entire organization, my entire staff wants to help young people stay so they can stay, not, not because they shouldn't um, have opportunities elsewhere, but if they want to stay, um, we are trying to help them do that. So there are a myriad of reasons why someone might feel like they have to leave. And a lot of them are, are work related. A lot of them are community related. If we don't have a program that can help you, I'm confident a partner organization we work with does. And so if, if there is a desire to stay, I want to help, I want to help people do that. As part of your fellowship program, you mentioned the professional development that you all teach on kind of the history of West Virginia, just to get people connected to the state. So pastor president, who is your favorite West Virginian? That's a tough, tough, tough question. I wish I had it. That is such a good question. And I wish I had a good answer for you, but I'm coming up empty. I mean, I think that there are so many people we talk to when we go around the state and the fellowship program engages with people around the state. Everyone we talk to who is a community member who works at an organization that's giving back to the state, there is this clear, I don't know if this happens elsewhere, but there's this clear excitement around talking about West Virginia and talking about why the community is so important to them. Everyone does that um, that we talk to. So it's hard for me to to say one person that does it more than that. But that's my favorite thing about West Virginians. And that's something that um, I feel might be unique. And I wish I had a better answer for you and give you one person. And when we when we get off this um, conversation, I'm sure I'll be like, oh, I should have said this person. <laughs> no, no, it's still still is a great answer. Um, 
this is a, this is a question that we like. We don't always ask everyone, but I, I wanted to ask you. I feel like it it says a lot about a person. So the question is: cornbread or biscuits? Oh boy, I think I'm going biscuits. I think I'm going biscuits again. My that's my my grandma made those growing up. You know, that's a. I think in this part of the region too, like up here in the northern part of the state, I think we're I think we're more biscuit country. I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so biscuit world or Cracker Barrel then? Oh, love them both. Grew up going to Cracker Barrel more, more nostalgia there for me. So I'm, I am going to go Cracker Barrel. What's the first thing that comes to mind when I say the word Appalachia? Okay. This is going to be a controversial response, but <laughs> there is this, you know, I think a lot of people in the Appalachian region don't automatically identify with being Appalachian. And I think that shifted a lot in years, you know, recent years. So when, when I think about Appalachia, I think about the connotations around what that means for a lot of us who feel like we're more of a Rust Belt community. And we almost feel like we're in this space between having an identity of Appalachian and having an identity of like Midwestern or, or Rust Belt. or And so there is this kind of disconnect, I think, for for people in various parts of Appalachia. I mean, geez, what Appalachia even includes parts of New York, right? So I'm sure that people have different connotations for it. But for me, I think um, that it's an identity crisis for a lot of people on whether or not they, they consider themselves Appalachian. And there should be a larger discussion around what it means to be in the Appalachian region. And that might mean that, you know, you live in coal country and, you know, you you have like this Appalachian cuisine cuisine tradition, but in my part of the state, right? We we live in steel country, and there like most of our heritage, you know, a lot of us, me me included, have have like European heritage or or Italian heritage, right? Like that's when I think of old school Appalachian cuisine here. I think of Italian food, um, and so I I do think that there's this kind of larger discussion around how do we make the entire region feel like they're part of a you know quote unquote culture of Appalachia. So our, our podcast is really grounded on place and perspective. It's really important for not only the region, but Neil and I, our family place is really important. So we wanted to ask you just wh where do you call home? What makes it home for you? What makes it unique? So yeah, Wellsburg um, in the Northern Panhandle is in Brook County. My great grandparents, both, uh, you know, on both sides, relocated to, to this region, one side one great grandparent grandfather was from Croatia um, and another was from Italy. And so there's like this, you know, there's a lot of, lot of culture, of course, in, in this region of the state too. But I grew up here. My parents grew up here. My grandparents grew up here and it's right on the Ohio river. We're nestled, you know, the state of West Virginia, there's like the little panhandle at the top. And so we're nestled right in between Ohio and Pennsylvania. I can be in either state in five minutes. Um, they're right there. And so I think it's such a distinct region of the state and a really cool, you know, we, I love it so much because I feel connected to West Virginia, but I also feel connected to op other opportunities. Like I can be in Pittsburgh in 45 minutes or an hour and I'm right by the airport. You know, there's this, it's such a, an awesome location and a beautiful place, glass making history. Be, you know, we're right here on the river. Yeah. Just a really, a really cool region and a really great small town. Thank you so much for being part of the episode. Do you want to let our listeners know if they're a young person in West Virginia or a young person thinking about moving West Virginia, 
just where they can find your website, where they can find out more information about Generation West Virginia? Yeah. And, you know, really anybody that's interested in the work we do, it is generationwv.org um, is, is the best way for folks to get a hold of us. And my email and phone and everything is on there and um, more about our programming and would love to, you know, continue these important conversations anytime with anyone who's interested. Thanks so much. Thank you. Wow, Will, great stuff from Alex on today's episode. I really appreciate her coming on and and telling us about all the great stuff going on in West Virginia. So like I said, maybe I will live there someday. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was interesting of how Generation West Virginia started, uh, especially buying for young professionals and still maintains that model, but how it has transformed a little bit over time. They're doing a lot of great work, which we mentioned in the episode. We just want to thank her again for her time and all the all the things she's doing uh, there in West Virginia. Yeah, good stuff. Great state. Looking forward to uh, uh, hearing more about that in the future. Do you have a business of the week you'd like to highlight for us? An at biz of the week. I have a couple because we're talking about entrepreneurship. In National Entrepreneurship Week, because we are talking about West Virginia, I got a couple of entrepreneurial businesses in West Virginia. One is the Blue Ridge Bee Company. They sell everything from honey to from honey, honey to bee suits to to everything in between. Right, Will? Even beekeeping kits. You can even order live bees. I want you to check out the website. It's blueridgebeecompany.com. It's a cool company. Been around for a little while, but check them out. The other app biz of the week, Appalachian Furnishings. Chris Adams is the founder. He said it began as a calling. And while he worked in the mining industries and heavy equipment, he switched over to this. And I wanted to to mention this small business because they focus on hiring the addicted and they work with the addiction recovery programs and job training programs. Um, I just think it's a cool company in general. You can check out their stuff, their furnishings, AppalachianFurnishings.com, all handmade, all locally produced. Well, Will, you know, Appalachian, Appalachian Meets World is uh, extended across many, many states. You are doing this episode from one of the furthest states away that's not part of Appalachia. Do you see any similarities out there to Appalachia? I feel like it does have some of the same challenges that are in Appalachia. It's a it's a major city out here in Oregon, but once you get outside the cities, there are a lot of it's obviously a lot of rural parts. Yeah, you know there are some similarities, there are some differences, but like we've always said, much more similarities than there are differences. Well, I had to ask that since uh, I had the opportunity and I've never been there myself. I try to stay in the boundaries of Appalachia on most occasions, as you know. But great stuff from Alex tonight. Enjoyed hearing more about the great things going on in West Virginia and another great episode for our listeners. And thank you for uh, all your time. Yep. Uh, I guess since we're at the end, we can end it like we usually do. Till next time. Peace. I'm up in the mountains again.
getting lighter, the air's getting thin. Now I'm facing down with a grin. I've been in the city too long, sidewalks and buildings and singing sad songs. Now I'm back up where I belong in the mountains.